Anyway, the, the, what the Ramchal mentions that the phases of history are really dependent on what's called tikkun. In the end, that determines everything. And I had mentioned, I think, the last time, that there are different phases of history, all based on the whole concept of tikkun. So I mentioned the first phase was the Oilam Hanishamas. It's the before the Nishama comes down altogether. There's a certain time and a place that the Nishama has to give it Namlik Sufa. So therefore it has to come down in order to do that. It has to do something where it could say it was the cause of what it will receive. In order to remove in order to remove the terrible busha, so to speak, of, uh, uh, of uh, what it would experience if it doesn't come down. So that's pre-tikon. That would be the first stage. Then the second stage would be the first grand attempt to do the tikon. And that really would be Odom Hurishim, the first man. And he only had a couple of hours to do it. And had he done the tikon, then that would be it. There would be no goals. There would be... The interesting Ramchal says that we would all be born into that state. We would have all been born into a state of, uh, of uh, perfection, so to speak. But it was only up to Adam to do it, and that's it. All he had to do was hold on for a couple of hours, and that would have been the end. That would have been his great test. The tikkun would have happened, and everything would have been this great. He failed. So that was the second stage of mankind that failed. Third stage of mankind. What was that? Anybody know? Third stage? Was that? No? I knew better to say that. You know what the third stage really was? It's interesting. Kain and Eva. Why is it a separate stage? It's not part of what the whole thing they have to do. No. You know, it's like... After Odom's head, the tikkun was divided into two, fa- two, two directions, or two, two, um, so two steps. So they sucking the, 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 the chet and then, and then doing... One was, when Adam sinned, one of the consequences of his sin is that he introduced, uh, he gave a tremendous gvura, uh, strength, to the sultan. He gave it a real existence, the sultan, because he believed in it. We made real existence, it exists. No, he gave it a power. What happened is that the Sutton, what happened was is that the Sutton now had a power over the physical universe. See, before that, Adam really he was physical, but not in the way we know it. So the Sutton did not have power over his goof at all. He couldn't make him want ice cream or something. He couldn't make him who? Let's say grab anything. He, he didn't have a power to make somebody have a tiger for ice cream. Let's say. No, no. The Sutton, his entire power was in a physical universe, and Adam himself wasn't really physical, although he was to a certain extent, but he was in an uh, called Sira. He was an incredibly spiritual being. We have no idea what he was. You know, he didn't have a physical body like we have, but uh, therefore the Sultan had no koyach, he had no connection to Adam Ochava, the way he has a connection today. Well, okay. so who made the connection? Is it that Adam approached he fell to, to, to Asiya, he fell. and therefore now he has a connection? Correct. So it wasn't that he took the sun and hooked it up to him. 
he fell into no, the same domain. Exactly. He entered his kingdom. Exactly. So therefore, Adam is now subject to enormous amount of drives and urges and so on that are satanic, are subtle, you see. So therefore, as a result of that, since he, and therefore that's why he would die. Because in the world that the Sutton, the physical world that the Sutton has control over, which means the Zoyam of the Sutton, his control device, his Shefa, which controls the physical universe, once he fell into it, he is now subject to the... Um, so what does it mean to give the Sutton? Like the Shefa of the Sutton, and therefore deterioration or decomposition, or death, would now ensue. Why? And, and that's what the Bronson said. On the day you eat it, you will give the Sutton that type of power, because you will have fallen into his domain, and on that day you will die, because uh, the Sutton ultimately will have control or uh, in terms of your goof, and so on. So what happened, therefore, is that necessitated two stages because of that. The first stage was that you had to remove the control of the Sutton or the Zoyama altogether from the physical body. And the second stage was then to bring down the rest of the Kiddusha. So that required, because of the sin of Adam, there were two now, two stages. The one who took over the removal of the Tumah was Kayan. And the one who would bring down the Shefa would be Hevel. They were not just two individuals that just happened to come along for the ride. You know, here we are, guys. You know, we just have to have kind and Hevel. Because you see the way the Russian talked to them. You know, he talked to Kain. What did he say, Kain? But Pesachatis Revates. Sin stands at the door, right? The Elecho Tishukosoi. And it's desire to you, which means it wants to destroy you. The Atta Timshabai, but you can rule over it. You know, so like what kind of a conversation what what kind of a conversation is this really? Is he talking to Kain as an individual? Or is he talking to Kain as what's called a prototype, a human? That he should now uh, repair the damage that Odin did. You see. And that's what it means that what was the job of Kain? It was an Oivad Adama. Remember what the Chumash calls him, Oivad Adama? So it sounds like he was a farmer. You know? But if you think about it, somebody who removes or is mezakim, purifies the physicality of the human, is Oivad Adama. He works on the Adama, the physical. You see? And Hevel would be uh, the royal uh, sign. Uh, uh, means he would now bring, sort of, he would bring the red sign, what was a red sign? He takes care of the flock and brings it back to the corral, basically, right? So he would now bring the rest of Kedusha back to Odom. So here you have two individuals. One is Eivar Adama, and the other is a red sign, you see? And they are now in the stead of Odom Rishon. Had Kain not killed Odom, Hevel, then they would have been able to massacre Nebriah. So in a certain sense, that's fair. Adam failed, so I know just to give up the ship, right? You create a scenario where there's one more chance. 
you see. It's very similar to what happened, you know, with Klai Yisrael. They failed at the Cheto Ego, but the Gzera was not made at the Cheto Ego. It was a terrible thing. The Gzera that they would have to be in the desert for 40 years was not made at the, the Ego. Interesting. What that meant is that Klai Yisrael could repair it, <coughs> even though it was a terrible Cheb. But there was an ability to undo the damage of that Cheb. But when they did the Cheb, the Muradim, you see, so the Cheto Egel was, was a national disaster. All clients were basically, at whatever level of culpability, was involved. Whereas at the, right, this, and then the next national disaster was the Muradim, the Roshanar, and so on. And then the Xer was sealed. Okay, I gave you a chance. You know, it's like fair, you know. You took the test, you didn't do well, I gave you one chance. You know, everybody has an off day, as they say, right? You had an off day, you know? You had one shot, you know? And the Muradim was the second shot. Would Klai Yisrael fall for the argument and the enticements of the Muradim? And they fell. They believed the Muradim. So the Muradim spoke Lashon Hara, right? And the, uh, and the uh, Klai Yisrael was Makabal Lashon Hara. Remember I said about Odom Rishon, that he spoke Lashon Hara once? I said that, didn't I? The second, the first time, the first conversation was Loshanara. Right? Was the first, all the Chatoim of Loshanara were included in the first conversation. Right? Where the Sultan spoke Loshanara. Chava was Makabal the Loshanara. Then she told it over to Odom, so that was Mitzi Shemra, because it was a lie. And then when she told it over to Odom, that was against Sipur. You know what I'm saying? And it was also Achilles, because she said, God doesn't want us to do this, because he doesn't want us to be like him. So that would immediately infuriate Odom Rishon and, and Chava, because the Dachish don't love that. Oh, that's why God doesn't want to do it. Not for our benefit. It's for His benefit. You see, that would automatically make them mad at God and so on. So it's amazing that the Chet of Odom ultimately was the Chet of Abedizara because he believed that the tree was an alternative to God and included Lashon Har. If you think about that. The same thing with the uh, the concept of the uh, of the Muradlam. It was the Chet of Lashon Hara, where they spoke Lashon Hara. All clients were was Makabal the Lashon Hara, right? But who's the Lashon Hara against? It was against the Lashon Because he says, I'm bringing you to a land, right? That you'll be able to Eretz Yisrael. And all of a sudden they come over and say, what kind of Eretz Yisrael business? We cannot take it. It's out of our hands and so on. So, so what, what was the whole point? God took us in the desert just to kill us, whatever. But you see the same duality here. The concept of Lashon Hara, A, and the concept of Avod Zorah, and that's when it was sealed. Same thing with the Kain and Hevel. You know, that would also be a second chance at repair. But obviously they failed. Kain failed, they killed Hevel. And so on, you know, so therefore that would automatically mean that that was it. Once that happened, then uh, uh, the, there was no second chance anymore. It was no longer up to individuals. This is the concept, you know. Odin was an individual got to do Tikkun. Kain and Hevel were individuals that could do Tikkun, since the job was now divided into two aspects. Now it became no more individuals, it now multiplied to a, a rabbin, and that's why you had the first 2,000 years. 
So that would be, so the first phase would be pre-tikkun, before Adam. Then you'll have the second phase would be Adam himself. He failed. Third phase would be Cain and Hevel. They failed. Then the fourth phase would be the Rabbim, the nation itself, which is the two thirty, the, 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 all the seventy nations. That would be the uh, third, <coughs> fourth, fourth, fourth phase. phase, yeah. And they failed. They failed twice. Again, they failed by Noach, the marble, and it's almost like they had a second chance. And they failed again by the Duhafla. You see, it's funny. Everybody's getting a second chance, and nobody's making it. You see. So what, when, how did Klai Yisrael, how did Avram Vina seal the, seal the deal? Oh, so therefore what happened was, it now, it meant that, so everybody's failing. The individuals are failing. And you're going to be the one to do the tikkun. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, but you're going to be the one to do the tikkun. Everybody's failing. The individuals are failing, and, and, and the nations are failing. You see? So what the Bansham did is he had to change the whole deal. So he looked for a person that was the only individual doing it. It was Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was out there trying to bring people, spread the moon of the Bansham. He was the only one. So therefore the Bansham turned to him and he said, you know, I will make a, uh, an agreement with you, a covenant. I will make an agreement with you that you will do it individually, and your children, and so on, until, you know, you have Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, then you have the 12 Shvatim, and then the rest of the uh, Tikkun will be Klan Yisrael. So again, it went from individuals, but an interesting thing is that there was a difference. Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov could no longer do it as individuals like Odom, or Kain and Hevel. They could have done the whole thing. Because even though there was a tremendous defect, the Pagaman of Bria, it wasn't as serious as when the 2,000 years of nations, um, uh, the 2,000 years, the tremendous amount of Kilko, Pagaman. So therefore, it would now require both individuals and an entire nation to do the Tikkun, you see. And was that the fifth? So that would be the fifth phase, where the Egypt became the place and the time of the Tikkun process. That's why when the Jews stood again at Har Sinai, right, um, uh, they had done the Tikkun, as the Gemara says, that the Zoyim of the Nochesh was Nifsak, was actually externalized from the body. They actually achieved half the Tikkun. Yeah, they really did. These, they really did. It was amazing, you know, because they were not like, you know, they were not the same humans we are. Nifsika Zoyama Shalnochash automatically means that they don't have the Zoyama, you know, so like that, which, which is astounding. But once they don't have the Zoyama, it's actually an incredible thing. Um, then what the Bansham did. person who has Zoyamah basically has to die. Because you cannot be Mazakech, a body that has Zoyamah. 
you can zakat geshem. You can purify a physical body, but you cannot purify a physical body that is not only physical, but also has the zoyama in they it. They did it. They did it. Wait, who did it? I fell after the after Mitzrayim. No. Wait. Patience, said the doctor. This is the problem. When once you have zoyama in the physical body, you can't purify it. You can purify the physical. The, uh, the physical. Zoyama, however, a person has to die, and then the zoyama is nifsak because the person is dead. And then once the zoyama is removed, then the the body can be can be purified. It can be the uh, geshem can be purified. Now, Kleinsville, when it stood at Har Sinai. That's true, okay. But nifsa means that there was no koyach of the zoyama really to influence the body. But the zoyama is still connected. Therefore, the motion killed them all. Yeah, you wonder why did motion kill them all? You know, he appeared to them and gave them two mitzvahs. The first two mitzvahs of the Aseris of Dibras. He knew they would die, so why did he do it? So therefore, that was the death that was required by Poisson. And that, what would have happened, they would have had Tchis HaMesim. And then they did have Tchis HaMesim. Well, but twice that, and why do you need the second time for What was the second time? Uh, two, 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 uh, two Dibros. Unless there was one Dibros said No, 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 it, it happened once. They, it, I mean, well, those first two Dibros were said at the same time then. Whatever, yeah, whatever, and then they died. What? So that death is Tchis And once you have that, so not only was the Zoyama removed from them, but now, not only was Zoyama Nifsak, but now it was externalized, it was removed from them. And once it's removed from them, you can now have Zikoch. See? And that's Mamish Tchis which is really what happened to them, and so on. Therefore, they were now, uh, it, was, it, it was incredible how close they were to the Tikkun process, to the Tikkun. But again, the last, uh, last uh, hurrah, literally, of a sudden, hurrah, hurrah, same words, right? Uh, again, they failed, and therefore the Zoyma re-entered the body, and we are now, so they were given a second chance, as I said, by Maragam, and when, when they failed Maragam, that sealed their fate. But for 40 days, 40 days from Harsinai till Moshe didn't come down to Chedah yeah. yeah. they were in that stage. The what? They were in that stage of Tikkun, or pre-Tikkun. Yeah, yeah. That was the longest period ever, ever, because even Adam Arishan was only for a couple of hours in that stage. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is really the longest stage. Um, therefore, so what do we have? We have before Adam, we have Adam, we have Kain Behevel, we have the 2,000 years until Avram, and then we have um, Avram, Yitzhakim, Tishvatim, and the Okla uh, Israel is five. <coughs> five, and they almost did it after five, failed, and now you go on to. <clears throat> you go on to 
the other attempts at Tikkun. So they failed. Uh, and then slowly, you would have different generations doing uh, certain jobs, I mean, which is interesting, you know. So we, basically, we are stuck in the next um, 4,000 years. Prison. After Actually, less, uh, you know, whatever. Um, three and a half thousand years. After Kleistral and the Midbar, it became that each generation does a piece, as opposed to one generation doing the whole thing? No, so each generation, so therefore each generation can bring the Tikkun to Akhishema, which means that if the generation does Tshuva, or they reach a certain spiritual height, then that generation can have the Mashiach. Yes. Be'ita is the end time, which means that the Russian promise that there must be a time when the Mashiach must come. And then the Tikkun will be not just through mitzvahs, it will be through Yisurim. But how do you get a Haftacha that you're going to be the one to do Tikkun? Well, that was a discussion that he had with the Barshlam. Because the Barshlam said to him, you know, that uh, <coughs> you need to, uh, you and your descendants will do the Tikkun. So Avram Avinu said to him, well, I hear, but Mo'eda... Means they can mess up just like everybody else did. Yeah. I don't want to say this, but they can mess up just like everybody else did, and as a result of the mess up, you know, you'll do the same thing you did to Noah. You wipe everybody out. So what the Rosham did, which he didn't do before, there's a guarantee on Hogo that the Bria must survive. The word there are other Brios that the whole nine hundred something Brios that were destroyed or something. No, no, that, that's the, the, the that's um, that's Kabbalistic. In the seven thousand seven worlds and all that. That's all Kabbalistic. No, no, no. there were like the thousand, yeah, the thousand. The, the Torah was given. What does it say? The Torah was given um, a thousand years. The the Torah was given a thousandth generation, a thousandth year, some a thousandth generation. Means that there were like nine hundred. The Torah says nine hundred something generations before the Bria even. Yeah, that Torah was created 900-something... It means there are, there are generations that were born and were destroyed. No, no, that doesn't... That refers... That's a, that's a Kabbalistic concept. Doesn't The world is only whatever it is now, 5,700, whatever, 74, whatever, that's only um, uh, now. Those generations are a Kabbalistic phase, which we use Akedim. That will be referred Israel Rabbeinu B'chayi that says that the world will last 49,000 years and we are on the second or third cycle. Hope not. But the Ari says, no, that's not true. What do you mean 49,000 years? Even after Olam Haba? Seven cycles of 7,000 years. 49,000 years. Which means? And we are in the third or second or third. The Rabbeinu B'chayi said, we are in well, the third. refreshes everything after. Whatever goes on, you know, which is... <laughs> Yes, it's almost intolerable. We realize that we had another you know, 35,000 years to go. <laughs> we can hardly last that two days. We can last another 35,000 years. Oh, what no. Yeah, we said it's not true. You know, and that's the end of it. Finish, you know, he says there's only one 7,000 year, 6,000 year cycle of 7,000 years, and we are in that one, and it's the only one. So we're, we're approaching the end, so, you know, uh, thank God for that, exactly. But uh, in any case, um, 
so you have um, Kleinsville. So you have individuals, Bachisheno, uh, for instance, you know, the one who probably almost was Mashiach. Uh, no, the first one would probably, I mean, there are different kufas that you had, Mashiach could have come, was, uh, most people don't see him this way, but that's what he was. Shimshim. Shimshim was Mashiach and Yosef. And he, had he not sinned, whatever, whatever the situation was at that time, he could have been Mashiach and Yosef, and that would have been the end. That's why uh, when Yaakov Avinu blessed Don, he said he saw, you know, he saw that he, for a moment he saw Shimshim, and Shimshim was Mashiach and Yosef. That's who he really was. And then he saw that he's going to fail. So he said, we have to wait for you, Yeshua. But Shimshim was Mashiach and Yosef. And the Bria could have come. And the Bria could have had a Tikkun in his generation. You know, uh, so that's one of them. You know, another one was Yerob Menavat. Yerob Menavat, Shlomo Melech, or Rechavam. Yerob Menavat was the closest we ever came to a real Mashiach and Yosef. He was so great. You know, Yerob Menavat. Uh, that's why when the Bansham spoke to him, he said to Yerob Menavat, you know, you, I, and Yishai will go, uh, you know, uh, walk in, in Gan Eden. So Yerob Menavat, who's first? You see, Hashem switched the order, by the way. And in the first, when Hashem first told him, he said, Hashem, then you, and then Ben Yishai. Yeah. And then after he said Nibrosh, he switched around and said Yishai, meaning that he already was a, had, a, had, a, had an onus right there. Yeah, okay, whatever. But anyway, uh, so it's the uh, Yerub Menavat. So clearly Yerub Menavat was not an average person. He really wasn't Sheikh bin Yosef. He came from a flying. He more than that. You know. But he was obviously, clearly it's a tremendous ego problems, obviously. And he couldn't tolerate the fact that he would be secondary to Sheikh bin you know. But it's interesting, you know, the Bansham doesn't say you are in Dovid. It's you are in Ben Yishai. I, my feeling is he was not referring to Dovid enough. He was referring to Rechavah, because that's when the kingdom split. Rechavah took over after Shlomo Melech passed away. Rechavah took over as the as, as David, the descendant of David. So to me it seems that he was referring to Rechavah would be Ben David, you will be Ben Yosef, and we can have the Tikkun. And he refused. So that again could have been a tremendous time of Tikkun. And then you have other times through the generations where they, where they could have had a Tikkun of the brain. It's very interesting, you know. But all of this would have been Bachishana. Purim was a time, uh, Chizkiyo was classic. Bansha wanted a Chizkiyo Mashiach, then David. And Sancherev and his, that would have been the war of Gog and Mogai, because the Bansha could use these circumstances to manifest or to be the manifestation of different <coughs> things. Gog and Mogai, failed. He failed because he failed to sing Shira. Imagine wiping out a hundred and I think eighty-five thousand people in one night. That's unheard of. There is no plague in the world that can do that. You take the worst type of diseases, let's say the uh, Ebola virus. I mean, these these are deadly. You know, hemorrhagic viruses where they maybe just turn to what? Tsunami did that. 
No, I'm not talking about a uh, climate disaster. No, yeah, of course. An earthquake wiped easily wiped that out. No, I mean, there's no disease. They were all intact. They all died, you know. Uh, there is no disease in the world that can kill that many people so rapidly. I mean, this was clearly a Neshebenism. So he should he should have sang Shira. Chizkiyot should have sang Shira, which is beyond belief, you know. And he didn't. So therefore, he, because he didn't sing Shira, and therefore, whatever that means, that he failed to understand the magnitude of that nest, that it wasn't a nest, it was a nest nibla ad nioid. I mean, it's nisim, there's nisim, you know. The, the Kriya Samsov is not just a nest. It is something which is so beyond what nature could possibly do, means the physics of the universe, that is obviously beyond belief, you know. It is a display of such a radical departure of physics that there is no other way to explain it. <clears throat> Same thing. 180 or 185,000 people dead in one night, you know, and it just happened to be the army of these guys. I mean, you know, it just happened to be, it's all right. It wasn't some local, some far off city. It was the guys surrounding you and they died. You know? Like I say, even if you dropped, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, chemicals, I mean, whatever. Okay, the whole army, you know, it's uh, one night. But he failed, and therefore he was not Mashiach, and therefore he never happened. So, you know. so there were, the, and then Purim was another time, uh, Hanukkah is another time. But Kochvo probably was another time, yeah, Rabbi Kiva said, you know, uh, and the Chazal did disagree with him. But, uh, you know, Rabbi Akiva probably would have been Mashiach from Yosef. And Makochba would have been Sheikh Mutab. But again, he failed. Arrogance, same thing. When he was Mispah, said to the Bersham, listen, you don't want to help us. You don't have to help us. Many things don't help them. And what kind of a statement is that? As if, you know, he has power, you know, on his own and so on. Anyway, he lost. So over the years, there has been different attempts, possibilities, of Mashiach to come. So I would put them all, lump them all together in the, what number we have to? Six, seven, never. The whole 3,300 years. Generational attempts. Attempts at Mashiach to come, yeah. Uh, I read Rabbi Kazari had said, I will show him that, he met the Mashiach for this generation, but he's not going to come out and reveal himself yet. And then who I said that? Rabbi Kazari. The Kazari? Yeah. Yehuda Levi? He was nifter many about 10, 15 years ago, possibly. Oh, you're not talking about the Kazari. Oh, no, yeah, I'm not So I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're saying said, somebody met he said, Mashiach? He said he, he knows who Mashiach is. Like Kadul? Yeah, he is. A bit Kadul, you know? And he knows who Mashiach is in this generation. Kadul. Yeah. So, but he's not revealing himself. So I was very excited to read that, and I mentioned that to somebody, and they had said in every generation there's someone designated to be a Mashiach, but it just never manifests itself. So in every generation, <coughs> that was the Hashem who gave me that. Yeah. Who is the? What is a Mashiach? Really, the different ways to understand that. So you know, but what real, what it basically is, is that there are certain Shamas in terms of who it is. There are certain Shamas that have a huge <coughs> amount of connection to the upper worlds. And basically, it all starts with Yehuda and Yosef. Okay, the Mashiach is a composite. 
He's a composite. Let's take Mashiach ben Yosef. Who is Mashiach ben Yosef? There's a neshama called the neshama of Yosef. Okay, that spins off different um, sparks, but they're very large sparks. Okay, they're called shloshim. They're called a shurish Mashiach ben Yosef. That shurish will spin off smaller sparks. Now. So therefore, the one who becomes Mashiach Yosef is a Shurish Mashiach Yosef. He is the one who is a candidate to become Mashiach, although he's not Mashiach yet. So Mashiach Yosef, whoever he is, will be a Shurish of the Neshama of Yosef Atzali. When he does become Mashiach, which means that the generation has found Roy, you know, qualified, uh, you know, uh, fit, then that Shurish of Mashiach will join together with the Yesui Neshama of Yosef. So you have the Shurish joining together with his origin, his major uh, foundation, Neshama, called Yosef, that's two. And he will receive also the, the Neshama, or the highest aspect of the Neshama of Adam Rishon. Now a person has five Chalokim to Neshama, the highest one is called Yechida. The Yechida of Adam Rishon, so when Adam sinned, his Neshama was Nivka, it was, uh, was uh, polluted. However, before the highest aspect of the Neshama, which is called Yechida, it flew away or it disengaged before Adam could do the Chet. So that Yechida of Adam Rishon, is a neshama or aspect of neshama that was never polluted by the chet of Adam. And that echida splits. That is the crown of Adam Rishon. That splits. One part is the crown that will go on the shurish of Mashiach ben Yosef. So what do we have? You have the shurish of Mashiach ben Yosef, right? Combined with the neshama of Yosef and it combines with the crown Yechid of Adam Rishon. He becomes the real Mashiach. The other part, where the Neshama, the Shosh Mashiach Ben David, because it's not Yehuda anymore, it's David, because uh, Yehuda sin. Anyway, so it's David, and he will combine with the Neshama of Yehuda, and he will get the that Shosh of, uh, of Adam Rishon, which is called Yechid of Adam, which appears and comes to Mashiach and David. So, a Mashiach is really a three-part neshama. He is a shurish, one. He combines with the foundational neshama, two. But what makes a Mashiach is the Yechid of Adam Rishon. And that Yechid of Adam Rishon, if you think about it, is really the Yechid of the entire Klai Yisrael. Because Adam was the totality of all the neshamas of Christ's world. So therefore, he will receive that device, the Yechidah of Adam Rishon, and that Yechidah is really the Yechidah of all Christ's world. So whatever or or Giloi happens will go through his Yechidah and go out to the Jewish people. So the Mashiach is really a composite of three neshamas. And therefore, and that has never happened in history, where there would be a person that would have three. 
uh, the, one of the closest ones, which is interesting, Ramchal says, who almost received the achid of Adam Rishon. He was one of the closest people who ever became Sheikh Nesim. You know what that is? Who? No. Yerub Benavat. Yerub Benavat was the closest, basically. That's why he fell so far. That's, yeah, yeah. He crashed, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was an incredible person. We have no honor who Yerub Benavat was. It says that he was together, I think, with Achia Shiloni. <coughs> and they learned together in a field all night. So they said that whatever they were learning, it was so powerful that the Malachim came down to hear the Shia. It, it was just it was just unbelievable what they were learning. But that's because who he was. He wrote Manavad, was the, one of the closest ever to become a Sheikh and Yosef. So when he sinned, it was a disaster. It was the, one of the greatest tragedies of Klai Israel, you see. So ultimately speaking, in every generation, there has to be somebody who has a shurish of the neshama of Yosef and a shurish of the neshama of David or Yehuda. Why? So if the generation is found worthy, they will get that yichid of Adam Therefore, in this generation, there is somebody that has the neshama of Yosef and the shurish of Yosef and somebody has a shurish of Yehuda. <coughs> the Shurish and not the Neshama itself? No, the Shurish. Meaning that it's just twice removed from the core Neshama. Well, if they are chosen to become a Shia, then they will reconnect to their foundation yeah. and they will get the Shurish. Right now they're Yechida. twice removed. Well, they're lacking yes. these two things. Yeah. When, they become, when, they, when they're found Roy, two things will happen. First yes. of all, they'll be reconnected to the, to the Yisod and then the, That's and they connect it to the... They get the Yechida automatically? What? <coughs> they got Yechida and they were Poygim, or they never got Yechida? They never got it. I mean, they never got it. If you get Yechida, it means you've you made it. Yeah, that's the crown. The, the crown of the Shia is... If they get then they lose. They can't get bring down the Yechida. They can't bring it down, yeah. I mean, they get to the Darga to be able to bring it down. <coughs> that's where the sign yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Why is it called a Shorah? Usually Shorah means a source, just like a Yisod means a... Well, the Yisod would be the foundation. Like the, shorish, the, the mother is the foundation, and the child will be the Shorah. So isn't an anaf better than a shorish? Usually means like a like a like It's a, not referred to as an anaf, Brent. I'm a just shurish. saying shorish usually means a core. No, the reason why it's called a shorish is because the uh, the uh, shur the that neshama Mishir Yosef can spin off sparks. Usually, when I think about a shorish, right? it means like the core element. No, like shorish means a root. A root gives rise to others. What's an honor is a branch. It doesn't give so rise wait, to the so, But they are a shoresh. That's what it means. Who? They, they, this, this, this person, let's say in our generation, who... Whoever it is. is who, he's not a shoresh himself? He, he is. He's a, but he can't give rise to other... other no, people. but it's not that he gives rise. It is taken from him. It's taken from his neshama. What's taken there from are sparks. Neshama? There are sparks. There are people who are... Well, let's call them assistants that they are Oisig in the Indian of Yosef, but they cannot be Mashiach because they don't have that Neshama. Yet they can be Oisig in the Indian of Yosef. Yeah. So, so people he, that are this in core that person gives rise to them. Well, it's taken from his Neshama. It's not that he, uh, he says, okay, chop out something. I mean, I mean no. the, the, the energy, whatever it is. Whatever it is. I mean, that, you know, that's what... A spark is somebody who has a similar task, so he gives rise consciousness to the, 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 and so on. 
He gives yeah. rise to this promise. From him, the Shama will come other Shamas right. that will be in the Indian of Yosef, or you right. Will go, right? Yet they will not be because they don't have a Shurish. So, you know. And throughout the generations, each generation must have a Shurish of both. So, if the generation is from Roy, he will be Mashiach. And so far, obviously, that has never happened, basically, and so on. You know. So, we're really looking at, you know, the, the possibilities of how it can happen. And uh, of course, <clears throat> we are now in what's called the. So you have the Tikkun process of the last Avon Avonu, basically, where Klaiswil is the one who does the Tikkun. <clears throat> you see. You would say it comes. It could come about either through uh, uh, Kapara or Chuva. So Chuva seems difficult, although I hope it happens that way. But thinking about the Holocaust. There's no word for it. It wasn't just killing, it was diabolical, sadistic. I mean, would Kasrishon would have to be worse than something like that? I mean, was that the Holocaust? Wouldn't that have been enough of a kapara? I mean, it was the most uh, insidious, you know. Uh, well, the problem with the, it's not it's not, cruelty. it's not the worst tragedy because uh, the only thing that was it was the it's not the the Romans probably more Jews than the Holocaust. Except they did it over a hundred years. In the same so, torturous ways and medical. No, the, the, the Holocaust uh, deviates in certain profound ways. I mean, first of all, the time basically is 1939 to 1945. <coughs> you look at six years. In six years, six million Jews. Which is astounding. You know, Romans had hundreds of years to do it. You know, they, when they destroyed the base of Amidus, who knows how many Jews died? <coughs> Half a million. The, the Roman says that you could wade in the blood of the Jews. Well, how, however high it was, it was you know, <clears throat> that's that's the first thing. First thing that differentiates the whole courts from you know all the persecutions before. Uh, the second thing that differentiates is the way they died. You know, the, the Romans didn't bait the Jews; they killed them. That was it. You know, these guys, you know, just uh, the whole course is something you never see before. The whole what what happened is the Jew became Hefker. Everything, every part of the Jew's body was used. You know, his his fat was used for soap. I mean, it was just beyond belief. It was like it was like the, the total physicality of a Jew was completely worthless and given over to the clipper. That's what you see. It wasn't just an ishama. It's like you know what the what the Nazis and Machshimom did is that they took charge of the entire body of the Jew. You know, and so on. His teeth. Goldness teeth, you know, his suitcases, his hair, you know, his skin was made from lampshades. It was like, it was almost like it's what you do to a cow. You ever see a cow? A cow, a cow everything is used, you know. I mean, every, the, the skin is the leather and the fats and the bones, chalent bones, I mean, whatever, you know, the meat, the wood cup you want, the sirloin. It's like, what's left of the cow that he can claim is his? Nama, even you know, tongue is the tongue. I mean, it's like there's nothing left uh, in, in the cow. You know, the same thing with the Jew. Why? What does that mean? Oh, well, just holding that and so on. So that was the second thing. Is, is that you don't see that in all Jewish history, where the whole physical body of the Jew was absolutely worthless, or it was used <coughs> for the benefit of people. It's unheard of, you know. So the speed of killing, murder, six years, 
the the uh, total beetle of the goof, the nomen, annihilation of the body, is, is a second incredible thing. The third thing is just the way they died. They were tortured. You know, the Romans, you know, like an army. They go and kill you and that's it. You have a battle and they kill you in war. You know, but this wasn't the war. They took Jews and they tortured them. You know, in whichever ways, they, they gassed and tortured them. I mean, it's, a, it's not a way to kill people. You see, so that's, that's the third idea, you know, uh, in terms of that. The fourth thing is the whole concept of the reason. Romans were not anti-Semitic. They were anti-everybody. Rome, Rome's purpose was to conquer nations and collect tax. That's why people conquer other people. You know, it's either a power trip, but most of the time it's economics. If they have you as a nation, you've got to pay them tribute, as they say, you know. But did Rome hate the Jews? No. Rome wasn't anti-Semitic. They hate Jews. They did the same thing to the Germans, the barbarians. They, but, you know, the Brits... The, whatever you call those guys. Uh, Anglo-Saxon. No, it was not Anglo-Saxon. Whatever, you know. They did that to France. It was called Gaul in those days, you know. They did it to everybody. <coughs> the real rise of anti-Semitism happened because of Christianity. That's when they hated the Jew as a Jew. You see. And the, the Holocaust was one, one of the greatest anti-Semitic destructions ever done. They killed you because you were Jewish. Not because of any other reason, not because they wanted money from you and tribute. You had to die because a Jew had to die. It's the greatest anti-Semitic event in history, the Holocaust. You see. What about Mitzrayim, though? What was the reason we were sitting around there? Well, they didn't kill Jews. Economics. They enslaved. It was slave power. Yeah, you know. That, that, that's always like that. But the Holocaust was unique in all these ways. The speed, the total beetle or negation of the physical body of the Jew, you know, the torture, the way he died, the fact that the mo major motive was anti-Semitism, purely, that's what it was, so, you know. Uh, and uh, so therefore, the Holocaust in that way is unique, you see. And, and the question is why? I'll just, a brief comment, because... <clears throat> In, though, in, that, in those years, what happened was, is the concept of Judaism, the Jew himself was completely given over to the Klippa, to the Son. Completely. It wasn't a matter of we want something from you. You see, the Sutton or Amalek, that's really what it is, Amalek wants the annihilation of the Jew. I'm not interested in the Jew benefiting me in any way, although they did that because you know, why waste manpower? They realized, we're stupid. We need these guys to man the factories. What are we killing them for? So they then shipped them off to, you know, far, what do you call it? Uh, far, what's the name? What? The, the, the different companies and so on. You know, free labor. But not because they wanted it for that. You know, they really wanted to kill them all. Amalek wants to destroy the Jew. He's not interested in benefit. Romans were interested in benefit. Control. And so on, you know. So, and that's really what it was. The concept of a Holocaust is a concept of the absolute domination of Amalek against the Jew. A very rare period of time, and so on, you know. It's where the keeper, the, the, the Sultan, the, the evil, the Amalek, and so on. In other words, it's, it's the greatest opposition 
of Ra to Toiv, where Ra wants to eradicate and annihilate Toiv. And it's not interested in any benefit whatsoever. And Hitler was, the, of course, the major, major character. You know, he would be the equivalent of Homan, or the equivalent of Amalek, you know, and so on, where they want to eradicate the Jew, annihilate. We don't want the existence of that entity, period. You see, and that's really what it was. In a certain sense, Hitler was the Messiah of the Sun. He was the elect, the king of the Sun. That's really what he was. The person who did the greatest amount of evil to Toyf, to annihilate, and so on. And for whatever reason, that's what the Bolshevik wanted. He allowed a complete uh, victory and domination of the Sultan over the Jew, which really is Ra over Toiv. And therefore, the Holocaust is different than all other destructions of the Jew. You know, never happened before like that and so on. But like I say, it's, it's only the advent of Christianity that created true anti-Semitism. Before that, it was just politics. Why didn't that do it for the taken over? Why didn't the Holocaust take care of the Tikkunola? Or maybe it did. Maybe it did. We're just cleaning up the, 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 the yeah. odds and ends. Yeah. Truth is, the Holocaust was, in many ways, uh, a messianic war. A messianic war. I remember I once read it. You ever have the Chibina Rov? Very great man. Um, Chibina, you know? Where... Um, He was a tremendous godl. He was an incredible sahatera, you know. Um, he died in 1965, and I was then in Israel. <coughs> and I, it was about thousands, tens of thousands of people. And I was a bocha then, and I was able to get my way through the crowd. And they were carrying his body on a, uh, a what do you call it, a uh, stretcher, you know. And he was covered in a white thing, whatever, you know. I was able to get. I don't know how I did it, but thousands of people, I was, I wore my way right up to that stretcher, and I grabbed on to one of the staves, you know, and I, I was able to carry it or be carried, depending on what, how you wanted to look at it, you know, ah, maybe about four feet, five feet, and then I just let go, you know, so I always considered that some type of a source, you know, I was able to grab onto it, well, tens of thousands of people there, you know. But anyway, so when he when the Nazis took over, so they they plastered his picture, and he they, and under it says he's the great he's the worst enemy of the Jew. You know the Jabina Rov had his picture. I think enemy of the Jew, right? enemy of the, the Reich. Right. You know, and, you know he's the guy we need to kill. You know, but you know you look at that and he, they put his picture in the paper. I mean, anyway, Jabina Rov, you know. The, you know, the, 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 the Sturm, or whatever the name of the paper was, you know, and so, you know. But I, I also, when I looked at that paper, it, it, this is so classic. This is such, an, uh, such a, um, a revelation of what this was all about. Here is the God of Batura, you know, the, the personification of God, so to speak. The living personification of tyranny human. And the Nazis held this up as to be the greatest enemy of the Reich. And they were right. And that, and that, what that told you is what the war really was about. 
was Ra against Toyev. And the Jabina was the quintessential Jew of God. You know, you can't represent God. He was a satyr, he was incredible. Uh, and he was a businessman. He's just, I'm can't get it, it's real. Uh, obviously, phenomenal memory and so on, you know. But uh, it just so, it's, it captured the essence of the entire Holocaust that his picture was in that paper and he's the enemy of the life. We must kill him. You know, that was just incredible what it says about the Holocaust. But anyway, but that's really what it was. It was the quintessential Muhammad of, of Amalek against Palestine. And Hitler was his chief spokesman. And apparently, the Bonsham said, I give you dominion. You can do whatever you want. It's like Eov, where somehow the Sultan came up by Eov. Remember, he said up there, well, let's see how good he really is, you know? So Bonsham said, okay, you got permission to do whatever you want. You just can't kill the guy. And the Sultan went to town. You know, it's like all of a sudden, it was like a header, you know, same thing with the Holocaust. The zero was, there's a header to do whatever you want to the Jews. And you can kill them. You know. But you're probably, you can't, but you cannot destroy all the Gedoyim. Or else there would be nothing left. So, you know. But that's what it was. Forget about the war here. This is the war against Amalek, against the essence of Judaism. You know, so, it's really the Holocaust. And therefore, like I say, he was able to do what nobody did before speed, the amount of Jews, six million, you know, that was a two million kids, beyond belief. Oh yeah, yeah, but that was an excuse, he really wanted to kill the Jews. You see that, because every time he came to a town, the first thing the SS did was get, 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 get all the Jews. But he said that, he, that was clearly the, the major objective. Of course, yes, didn't, didn't, he, didn't they tell him, You're, we need I told friends. you this, yeah, yeah, and he said, I don't care. That's the biggest riot. We need to change for logistics. And he yeah, said, well, if we bring the troops to the front. Right. And he said, I don't care. He needs to kill the Jews. They're pagan Norman background. What? They thought they deserved the world. Their mythology, paganism, the Normans, I think is the yeah, books yeah. that said so, the Jew and their invention of God yeah. is such on civilization. Yeah. Yeah. So the Holocaust is probably is the greatest exhibition of the evil against the Jew ever known. Much more than the Romans, I say. Romans were always concerned with revolt. These guys were concerned with existence, Jews' existence. It's a whole different posture. But I, my feeling is that ended the ability to go in to truly destroy the Jews. Because right after that you had Eretz Israel, <coughs> which would be some type of a refuge and so on. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, everything, yeah, Rabbi Kotler, that, that somehow that created, and um, I believe that that's a significant time which ends the ability of going. And then you had, you know, where Jews are now, they were freed, you know, and it took many years, but uh, this, uh, communism can no longer dominate, and the Arabs have given up the Jews where they have left for Eretz Israel. We are clearly seeing the end of the Golas, and at some point in time, the beginning of... Uh, uh, a true messianic age I mean, is, uh, that's something else the, what's called the termination phase that's the last kufa of the tikkun and so on which I'll continue next week um, I think there's only two more shulam left before I go to Eretz well. so I hope to see you uh, see you next week